Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to the second episode in our three-part series of interviews held at the Pre-Trib Study Group Conference. Once a year, teachers, professors, and preachers of Bible prophecy gather in the Dallas area to share their research and passion for the Lord's soon return. In our last episode, we marveled at the miraculous regathering of the Jewish people back to the Holy Land and the rebirth of the nation of Israel. This remarkable event is incredibly significant, for this greatest end-time sign points directly to the return of Jesus Christ, who will rule and reign over the world from Jerusalem following His second coming. But before that happens, the world must endure the wrath of God being poured out during the seven-year tribulation time period. Today, globalism is on the rise, ushered in by the spirit of the Antichrist. We'll begin our interviews with Jeff Kenley of Main Thing Ministries. He will respond to the following question. Should the world fear moving towards a global government? Well, we want to continue our conversation with Jeff Kenley, one of the prophecy pros, and certainly, Jeff, you are that. Uh, we have been delighted to have you on our program and been together at conferences. So right now in this current cultural moment, this, uh, this prophetic moment we live in, a lot of people want to know, well, what is the greatest sign prophetically that we are witnessing before our very eyes that points to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Well, right now, I think we're in an age where we're seeing globalism really come of age, if, it, if you will. Uh, you know, the Bible says in the last days, there's going to be a one world government uh, headed up by Antichrist. Uh, of course, this is the fulfillment of Satan's long uh, ambition that he's had for over 6,000 years yeah. to, to be in charge of the earth. That's going to happen. But what's gone on is because of technology and because of the way the world has shrunk uh, with uh, communication, with uh, governments cooperating with each other over global crises, then what happens is governments are willing to lay aside some of their own nationalist rights and become more one together. Uh, we're seeing this push through the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, United Nations, uh, the G20. They're all coming together and saying, hey, it's time for us to be one. Now, isn't it interesting that the world is getting on board with the pre-scripted you know, prophecies that God has put in His Word? But that's what I see right now. Um, I know with COVID, I mean, the whole world was talking about one thing. Uh, we've never had that before in, in human history, where literally every nation, every neighborhood was talking about one single thing. So they made it easier uh, for this to happen. And I think one more thing with that is just the idea of a global crisis uh, brings about chaos, which brings about uh, people being calmed by the governments. It's going to be okay. But eventually the end game in all of this is control. What's crazy is you have some even who would consider themselves liberals, which in a classic sense would have meant they, they were for individual liberty, but now they're celebrating and praising the Chinese communist government for its ability to control its people, to put in protections that uh, squelch individual rights and really are only looking out for the state. Yeah. And they're saying, oh, we need more of that even in this country or around the world. And so it, it feeds into that mentality. It really does. In fact, uh, Klaus Schwab, who's the head of the World Economic Forum, is, has been called a fanboy of China. Uh, he loves the way that they control their people. They surveil their people. I think I read where there's over 100 million cameras uh -huh. in China. Social uh, credit the, score. Yeah, then yeah. the social credit score and that type of thing. We're moving towards that here uh, in our own country in different ways. But uh, even in Klaus Schwab's son, 
I think is the head of the field office there for the WF in China. All that to say is, is that people are looking to China as the model of how to run a country. And of course, the more control you have over a populace, the more you become like that. So with these mandates and uh, these executive orders that even in our own administration that are happening, it's really quite frightening how, we're, how globalism is really seeping into many, many governments. And yet you got China and Russia, especially Vladimir Putin coming out recently saying that, that his war is actually a war against the globalist West. So it looks like both China and Russia are trying to buck the system and become ultra nationalistic. Where does that fall into Bible prophecy? What is, if the whole world is going globalism, what do we do about these rogue superpowers? Yeah. Well, scripture does say that, that Russia will move south in Ezekiel 38, that Russia will move south in the latter days when Israel is living securely. Uh, it says that God will set a hook in her jaw and, and bring Russia down. Uh, but here's the thing, those nations that they ally themselves with, I believe will be part of that great Gog-Magog war uh, that God's going to eventually annihilate. That'll need to happen, in fact, for Antichrist to really be able to take charge. And so once that those forces are not which I think coincidentally enough uh, includes a lot of Islamic nations, yeah. uh, which really may give uh, Israel the opportunity to rebuild their temple on the Temple Mount, because if all the Islamic forces are wiped away somewhere around the rapture or something like that, then uh, they, they're free to rebuild on the Temple Mount. So all of this sort of dovetails together. Uh, they're pieces to the puzzle, just like any puzzle. You don't really see how they all fit together. I certainly don't. Uh, but as we go forward in time, it's like we get more and more knowledge, more and more clarity about how these things could take place. And I think something you said about dovetailing, the other reality is many of these signs that we've been watching in desperate ways are starting to come together and converge. That's one of the words we use, it converging in a way that has not been seen for 2,000 years. So Israel is now on the scene. Israel is surrounded by hostile nations. The world nations are trying to, to rope in finding a one world government, just right. like scripture talks about. Technology is allowing yeah. the ability for governments to control their citizens right. on and on and on. Yeah. So we're seeing even in our country, a devolution from Judeo-Christian values mm -hmm. to the secularism, yeah. all of these things happening at an accelerating pace, yes. but in a converging way. No, I think the, the key word used there is accelerating. Because right now, it's almost like, you know, Jesus talked about birth pangs in Matthew 24 that happened during the tribulation period. Well, as we all know, birth pangs increase with intensity and frequency as you get closer to the birth. And so here we are on the other side of that. We're not yet there, but we're still seeing this, this rapid acceleration of all these things coming together. And you made an interesting comment yesterday in your presentation about birth pangs. You said there are different kinds of birth Birth pangs. One of the ones you mentioned was birth pangs that happened before the birth. What was yeah. that analogy? Yeah, yeah they're, they're called Braxton Hicks contractions, yes, and uh, our wives certainly know about those <laughs> things. Uh, but uh, yeah, Braxton Hicks feel like the real thing. Uh, they cause many people to go ahead and head to the hospital because here comes the baby. But the doctor says, no, these aren't the real ones. The real ones are going to come later. You're not ready. Sends them home. Well, right now, we're not in those actual birth pangs of seeing the signs of Matthew 24 and Revelation 6 through 19 that Jesus talked about, but we are feeling those Braxton Hicks. Now, you can't have Braxton Hicks unless you're actually pregnant and going to have a baby. So and getting it, close to And delivery. getting close to yeah. it because second, third trimester. So it's kind of an analogy to use to kind of say, we are in the last days. Uh, we are, I don't know how late we are. Uh, John said in 1 John 2, 18, it's the last hour. So I don't know if we're ticking to the last seconds or not, but all that just to say is that it gives us a sense of expectancy for the Lord's return, but it also gives us a sense of what I call purposeful urgency. It's not panic. You know, we're not running around like chicken little, but we do have a sense of, I've got to get this done. It's the two minute warning. It's in the fourth quarter. Uh, we need to win this game. 
Next up is Dr. J.B. Hickson of Not By Works Ministries. J.B. has written extensively about the following question. How is the spirit of the Antichrist taking over? Well, folks, welcome once again as we continue conversations here at the Pre-Turb Conference. We're delighted to have our friend J.B. Hickson here Amen. from Sedalia, Colorado, yes, and with Not By Works Ministries. It looks like you brought one of your books with you. Yeah, I did, yes. And it's about helping us discern the times we're living in, correct? Absolutely, yeah. So Spirit of the Antichrist, uh, this is our volume two. You you all at Lamb and Lion were kind enough to have me yes. on when volume one came out last March. This came out in October. Uh, and again, it's the premise is uh, 1 John uh, 4 verse 3 that uh, the spirit of the antichrist is already at work among us and uh, so what we did is we just uh, took all of the characteristics of the future capital a antichrist who will rule the world for seven years during the tribulation and uh, sort of summarize those into seven categories and then we just took a look at current events and geopolitical events on the world around us. And what we saw, uh, which really isn't surprising to those who study Bible prophecy, but it was surprising the amount of, of data that we saw, was that there's an upsurge in every one of those characteristics. We're seeing all of the things that will characterize the future man of sin already kind of rising up and becoming the norm today. So for someone who might not be as familiar, the Antichrist is an, an individual, a, a man of lawlessness, as the Bible describes, who will come in opposition to Jesus Christ and to the gospel plan. He is eventually to be Satan uh, indwelled. Absolutely. And so in the end times, this individual will emerge to lead a one world government and to try to impose uh, an anti-God, an anti-Christ uh, ideology, and yet really we're seeing all those pieces and parts come into play leading toward that individual who has not yet been identified. In spite of what some people say, right, we don't right. know that it's yeah. Prince, now King Charles, or anybody else. Yeah. Uh, that is yet to be revealed in the fullness of time, but Satan's got somebody ready. Absolutely, and and uh, you know the future man of sin, son of perdition, he goes by a number of names, the beast in yes. scripture. Uh, he is gonna rule the world in absolute terror. He is gonna be indwelt by, by Satan himself. He's Satan's man of the hour. That final seven year period will be when this cosmic struggle between God and Satan reaches a climax. You know, Satan has been trying to take over this world for 6,000 years since he got kicked out of heaven. And uh, this is, you know, slowly, incrementally, he's getting closer and closer. And we know from the, the direct words and writings of his own human counterparts, the conspirators that are working with Satan on the human side, that the 2020s has been their target for almost 100 years. I have a chapter in the new book called Satan, or the Luciferian Timeline, where I cite going back to the 2020s, 2030s, uh, key Luciferian agents t talking about this being their target time. I'm fascinated even by that term. Is that something that has been used elsewhere? Is that a term you coined with Luciferian conspiracy? Oh, no, timeline? no. Yeah, no, Luciferianism has been around for centuries. It's their term for themselves, the Satanists that are working with Satan. Mm. Uh, you know, just like you and I worship the Lord, read His Word, we pray to Him, we, we look at Him as the Almighty Creator of the universe, they do the same thing to Satan. And they think, going back to the garden, that Satan was the protagonist and God is the antagonist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they've worshiped, they dedicate their books to Lucifer by name. They call themselves Luciferians. Uh, so the Luciferian conspiracy, people have written about it forever. I think what 
distinguished is not by works ministry and our approach to it is as best we can. We're not perfect, obviously, but we, we strive to run everything through the grid of Scripture and make sure that, you know, what a lot of people call the deep state or the global elite or these other terms, the shadow government, that it really is seen from the spiritual aspect of who's really pulling the strings. Yeah. When you say that Satan's Antichrist is rising, well, what are some of the things that you see going on in society that's pointing to the Bible's prophesied one world government, which the Antichrist will rule? Yeah, so a couple of big ones, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this on your show or with other guests, but the two biggest ones I think that come to mind would be the CBDCs, the central bank digital currencies, right out of Revelation 13, you know, the, the Revelation 13, the mark of the beast is the going digital to dollar yeah, prevent to people from buying or selling without government approval. Well, that's what the, the central bank digital currencies are all about. And they just did a big test run. They're talking about rolling it out globally in 2023. They want to do away with cash entirely. They want everybody to have a digital passport that will be loaded with money. All of these entitlements that we get instead of a check in the mail, it'll just be credited, but it'll have expiration dates. It'll tell you where, where you can buy and sell. If you go 10 miles from your home and they don't want you to buy from there, it'll shut you off. So this is all, I mean, I was talking in another interview this morning about how for years people have talked about, well, this could be the, the technology for the mark of the beast, you know, the RFID chips or the UPC symbols or whatever. But what's different about the digital currencies is that for the first time, the elites that are the World Economic Forum, the Klaus Schwab's and Yuval Noah Harari's of the world, they're actually saying, we intend to use this to control commerce and right. keep you from buying and selling. Well, that's right out of you know, Revelation 13. They think they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the UPC. They own nothing and be happy while they own everything. Yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. I mean, the UPC symbols and all of that, they were using that for inventory checking or those kind of, they never came right out and said, hey, we're going to use this to keep you from buying. Yeah, so they, now they are. They're shameless at this point. Yeah, yeah. In a grand scheme, we've had our six categories of science. This falls under technology. And so to a degree, this modern technology, whether it's cryptocurrency, the uh, the digital currency, whether it's the surveillance state that allows this uh, assumption of power by just a handful, all these things are very recent. Yeah. And again, give us a, an understanding, a discernment that even the Old Testament prophets themselves could not have in, imagined, let alone our parents and grandparents. They yeah. would not have imagined some of these things. No, it's a setting of the stage as Jesus told, you know, he rebuked the first century Jewish leaders for not being able to discern the signs of the times. And so we don't want to make that same mistake. So we look at the signs of the times. We're not, we're not claiming that, you know, we can set a date or that, you know, we're just saying the stage is being set. And the second one that I think is real big, you mentioned the global surveillance and all that. I have a whole chapter called yes. Global Surveillance and the Police State. Yes, I, I saw that. But, but the other big one is transhumanism. Yeah. Yeah. See, the one frontier that Satan has not conquered and never will be able to conquer is the creation of life ex nihilo, out of nothing. Uh, and so they are working hard at both uh, destroying the image of God in man. They think mankind is nothing but useless breathers. They want to destroy us. But at the same time, they want to recreate an artificial intelligence that is on par with God. They want to create God. Elon Musk was asked, do you believe in God? And he said, well, not yet, because I haven't invented him. Oh, you know, goodness. this goes all the way back to the garden in Genesis chapter 3 with Satan's very first lies when he, he undermined the credibility of God. He said, God did not say. Then he called God a liar. And then 
men appealing to the pride, the hubris, and the, the ungodly desire in the heart of mankind. He said, you will not die. If you, touch, right. if you disobey God, you will not die, for God knows that on the days you eat from it, the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Exactly. And that's been yep. man's evil, sinful desire ever since the beginning. That was really Satan's desire to be worshiped like God. And so yeah. we're just seeing everything come full circle in no these doubt. end times. Yeah, he's, his MO has never changed. In volume one, which we talked about in a previous interview, I talk about Satan's method and, and, and these five steps to deception and, and go right to Genesis 3. But, you know, uh, Satan's big lie really can be summed up in one sentence, which is you can sin and get away with it. He, there's no consequence. There's no death. That's another part of this transhumanist agenda. They want to have you know eternal life without having the sacrificial atoning sacrifice to pay the penalty for sin. Right. And so he's coming at it from all angles. But this uh, you know transhumanism, artificial intelligence stuff. I've got some stuff in that chapter that that just chills me to even read about it. The kinds of things they're talking about doing. You know. You know, it really boggles the mind. Just recently, talking about ex nihilo. I read that they have now created a mouse, and at least an embryo, that did not come from an egg and a sperm. And they, they think that through technology, they are now on the cusp of being able to, to form life. And, and they say, oh, but see, we can make all sorts of benefits for mankind. Well, we are trying to play God, even as those who are are rejecting the true God are trying to be God. We're creating God in the image of man. Well, how far, Dr. Hickson, will God allow this to go? Well, that's the big question. I mean, we believe in the imminency of the rapture. Obviously, nobody knows more about that than Lamb and Lion Ministries, so we can't set a date. It could happen at any moment. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you ask me my personal opinion and subjectively, I would say there are no more frontiers that Satan needs to conquer. I mean, think about it. He's conquered gender. I mean, from his perspective, right? Uh, he's conquered language with deconstructionism. He's he's conquered life and, and death with with eugenics and abortion and all of these things. Um, and he's he's thinks he's on the cusp of conquering the creation of life through transhumanism and artificial intelligence. So I just feel like. Um, it could be any day. I feel like the Lord's going to say enough's enough. He's going to rescue the church from this present evil age, Galatians 1.4. And then, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, the Antichrist will emerge, sign the peace treaty, and we'll be looking at, you know, seven years of this cosmic struggle between the wrath of God and the wrath of Satan. We were also blessed to be able to interview Dr. Joe Martin of Biblical Discipleship Ministries. He addressed this important signs of the time question. Have the days of Noah returned? You know, Job, as we watch what's happening in the world, people can see almost a fulfillment of Romans chapter 1. But even as Paul is describing how people will be given over by God to their foolish and darkened minds, Reprobate. one of the first things they do is they begin to worship the creature instead of the Creator. That's and right. we've seen that in our culture now for several years. Oh, have we ever? And a matter of fact, that reprobate mind, uh, it really means insanity. They'll be given over to insanity. So you just look at the culture. What on earth is going on? It's insanity. It is. There's no other way to describe it. But what have they received? What have they accepted? The world has accepted United States as the government, the judges, everything else. They have said, it's okay for gay marriage. It's okay for abortion. It's okay for all this stuff. 
our, our whole culture, let alone our government now, has embraced insanity in terms of declaring a man as a woman, a woman as a man, and th there's all these various genders in between. Oh, I mean, there sure is. And, and then you're thinking, well, you know, there's so many uh, Christians who believe uh, we're going to set up God's kingdom here. I mean, we're, we're going to cleanse the earth and we're going to yeah. make it a nice place for Jesus to come back to. Yeah, kind of a post-millennial mentality that we'll, we'll create such a perfect earth that the Lord will just return and it'll be like heaven on earth before He gets here. Well, Job, you're an expert on the book of Genesis as well as pretty much every book in the Bible, but your focus on Genesis and your ministry. Uh, the Lord said that when He would return, the world would be like the days of Noah again, or the days of Lot. How can we, or what does it look like in, in the days of Noah compared to today? What are the parallels? Uh, when you look at uh, Genesis 5, 6, or 6, 7, and 8, where it's talking about the flood, what, what was going on, why did God say, hmm. I want to, I wish I hadn't done this. I'm just going to destroy everything except one thing, Noah and his family, okay? Dry land animals, all that, okay? Why? Because the earth was filled with violence. Okay. So that was the defining sin, I guess you could say, of the flood era? Yeah, that's what he said uh, right there in Genesis 6. Yes, yeah, 6, uh, verse 5. The Lord saw that wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and it says he was grieved in his heart in verse 5. And I have to wonder, Job, today, as the Lord looks down upon, and not just the world, let's just talk about the United States, which we are familiar with. Is what is happening in our country grievous to the Lord God, to a holy God, when we claim to be a Christian nation, at least some people still do, is his heart grieved by what we are not only embracing, but endorsing and advocating in this country? Oh, I think he's, he, he's heartbroken over it. I really think he is. But he, there comes a time when the God of the Bible says, enough is enough. And he brings his judgment down. He'll bring it down on individual people. He'll bring it down on even churches that are like Laodicea, lukewarm, etc. And he'll bring it down on whole nations or the whole world, which he did here. With the flood. With the flood, exactly. You know, we hear people talk all the time about how, well, that was the God of the Old Testament. God of the Old Testament was full of wrath and judgment, but the God of the New Testament, He's just full of grace and mercy and love, so He loves everybody and wouldn't hurt a fly. And yet, if you read in Revelation, so let's go back to that other book into the Bible, yeah. in chapter 2, uh, when Jesus is dictating a message to the church at Thyatira, beginning in verse 18, he, he has something that He holds against a woman called Jezebel, but He says to the entire church, you are tolerating that woman who is perp perpetrating evil and, and leading you astray. And I would say that the Lord would have to say to us today, you are tolerating things that are intolerable. But then Jesus Christ says that He gave her, this woman Jezebel, time to repent, but because she has not, He said, Behold, I will throw her on a bit of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of her deeds, and I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am He who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one according to your deeds. In other words, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. Yeah. And yes, He is full of grace and mercy, but He will not tolerate sin and wickedness 
forever. Yes, he is long-suffering and patient, not wishing for any to perish, as Peter tells us, but he will judge those unrighteous and evil deeds. Dr. Martin, you had said that the Lord finally, his patience was done with the people of the flood era and he gave the flood. So when his patience runs out in our era, what are we anticipating as his judgment? Well, we as God's uh, people, we who know Jesus as our Savior, we've, we've received Him into our life, our bodily resurrected uh, Lord and Savior, Jesus, all right? Doesn't mean anything for us. We're going to be out of here. I believe in a pre-trib rapture, okay? Uh, what does it mean for mankind? Well, the worst time in history that's ever going to be on the earth is going to be here, the seven-year tribulation. So he is going to bring his wrath. He calls it his wrath. I mean, what's it say in Revelation 6 there? The wrath of God and of the Lamb. So he's going to take us out because we're the bride. We're his bride. And he's not going to subject his, his bride to the worst thing he's ever going to do. Yes, yes. In Revelation 6, 16, where the people even recognize those who are left behind and suffer that wrath, they realize it's the wrath of God and the Lamb. Witnessing evil consuming the world can be quite distressing. So let's conclude again with Jeff Kinley as he provides us with some advice and much needed hope. How do we survive drowning in a sea of lies? Well, if we see such truth decay, as I call yeah. it here in our society, how can Christians uh, protect themselves, their children, their grandchildren. In other words, how can we steal our minds to know what truth is and to, to not, I guess, uh, morph into the very thinking that we're trying to oppose yeah. right now? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think we have to calibrate it by understanding that God's truth and God Himself is, are never separated. That God's truth is a reflection of who He is and of His character. So people who are Christians say they really want to know God, they want to be connected to Him, be intimate with Him, they've got to know God's truth. And so I think it's a, a clarion call for us today in the Christian church really to get back to the Bible. Pulpits need to get back to the Bible, Christians need to get back to the Bible. And a, a stat I shared yesterday about Barna's research said that only 14% of Christians are reading their Bibles every day. That's indicative of where we are as a church. I mean, think about it, if we didn't eat every day after a time, you know, we start yeah. to get really weak. Well, that's what's happening spiritually. So I would say the number one thing is to uh, become acquainted with the truth, uh, become an expert in the truth, and that way you can guard yourself against the lies out there. And that's reading our Bibles, right? I mean, the Bible Absolutely. is the truth. Yeah. yeah, and it begins with reading the Bible. And of course, when we read the Bible, it, it reads us. And uh, then I, I just tell people, look, take it the next step. Go and study your Bible, because the deeper you dig, the more gold you're going to mine. Well, obviously, even in the cultural moment we're in, we see that our, our nation is becoming more and more secularized, more and more pagan. And I'm reminded of what Jeremiah wrote to the exiles living in Babylon. He wrote a, a message of encouragement. So how can we encourage our viewers, those who want to be committed to a Christian worldview, committed to the Word of God, how can we encourage them in this moment of deception that's descending upon our society? Yeah, I think one of the important things is, is that we have to be with one another. And that Hebrews passage in Hebrews 10 where it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves, but encourage one another. We need encouragement. Of course, we can encourage our own hearts. You know, David said, I said, said to my soul, you know, have hope in the Lord. But we also need the encouragement of others. It's also encouraging just to see other Christians taking a stand for Christ out there in the marketplace, living for God, being bold, being confident, uh, having a clear view 
live their own lives. That that empowers us. It's almost like, you know, when you used to play uh, sports, it's like you play with someone a little bit better than you, made your game better, yeah. you know? And I think being around Christians who are on fire for Christ really kind of ups our A game. Now, I get letters and emails, I'm sure you do too, people going, how can I find these people? Well, number one, be that person. Be the kind of person who's living their A game so that others will be attracted to you. So I think that mutual encouragement goes a long way today. We hope that Jeff's words of wisdom and blessings of hope help you thrive and survive in these dark days in which we are living, and that you take Christ's instructions from Matthew 10, 16 to heart, that we as Christians who are sent out as sheep in the midst of wolves, that we be as wary as serpents and as innocent as doves. Join us next week for the third and final episode in this series of interviews held at the Pre-Trib Study Group Conference. We'll explore different facets of apologetics and learn how to better defend our faith from the many deceptions that assail us today. Until then, look up and be watchful, for the King of Kings is returning triumphantly to defeat the Luciferian global government and set up His righteous kingdom. Godspeed. Yeah.